If you've been tuning into the Launch Playbook podcast for a while, you know I talk a lot about why and how human connection matters for launching and in business in general, which is why I'm extra excited to speak with our guest, Natalie Kusa, today, and about how she had a five-figure launch. You are listening to the Launch Playbook podcast, the weekly podcast for service-based business owners to discover the starts, stops, and tools of transformation that go into launching their online offers. I'm your host, Sarah Vartanian, and if you want to launch your ideas into the world faster with more success and less burnout, well, friend, consider this show your secret playbook to get you there. Natalie is a trauma-sensitive visibility coach and strategist. She supports leaders, healers, and guides to grow their visibility without losing themselves in the process. Her work takes a human-first approach, and she helps her clients to grow their visibility through relationships-based approaches like podcast guesting. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for joining us on the Launch Playbook podcast today. Thanks for so much for having me, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so excited about this topic. I know in in the green room before we were chatting around why we think today's topic will help like share a possibility that people can reach like a great launch with a tiny list. So I can't wait to really get into the meat of it and like what you did. So thank you for being so willing. <laughs> no, I'm an open book. I will answer. <laughs> <laughs> so first, will you let us know what a human first approach to growing your visibility is and why does it matter? Absolutely. So human first is about prioritizing, understanding how we lead, create, show up and communicate from our core so that we can start by meeting our core needs and then layer on the strategy that suits us after that. And the reason it matters is because visibility brings up all the feels, doesn't it? You know, oh my gosh, it visibility, sure <laughs> yeah, it can be extremely vulnerable. It can bring up fears around rejection. It's kind of a catalyst often for both the most positive feelings that we have about our work and our business and the most challenging ones. So by starting with a human first approach, recognizing and meeting our human needs first, then we've got a much better chance at creating strategy that is sustainable and that works and that takes us to to where we want to be headed. So that's the approach that I take in my own business and with the support that I offer my clients. Amazing. And what are some of those like human first needs you're you're mentioning? What what could they be for different people? So I use the leadership designs as the foundation for my work. And they were created by Sarah and Rachel Turner, who are both coaches. Rachel is a business coach. Sarah is a leadership coach. And together, they created the leadership designs, which are, so think of them like the Myers-Briggs or Strengths Finder, something like that. But they're a trauma-aware way of understanding who we are at our core. And they're created specifically for entrepreneurs. So That's there are amazing. four, yeah, they're mm -hmm. amazing. <laughs> there are four designs. There's the visionary, the nurturer, the conductor, and the analyst. And each of them has a core need. So that's where we start. My, my clients go through the assessment. We dig into which bits resonate for them, which bits not so much. And then we build everything that we create together on that foundation. Wow. That seems like such a great lens to be approaching visibility and just learning more about ourselves as entrepreneurs. It changed my relationship to my work and my business first. And that, so then I went ahead and got certified to be able to use it with my clients and it essentially facilitates coming home to ourselves. You know, people say things like, 
I feel closer to myself now than I did before I understood my leadership design, which is amazing. It, you know, it, it really changes people's relationship with themselves, with their work, with their visibility. And so depending on where they fall in this leadership, which design they have, does that, so are there like sort of different visibility strategies depending on where they fall that may work for them? It gives us a really great starting point for which visibilities are likely to be a great fit. So for instance, if you're a visionary and lots of entrepreneurs are visionaries, you're the kind of person that works often in high highs and then low lows. And you can't always predict when your energy is going to be high or low. So the kind of advice that is, you know, just show up, be consistent. It doesn't work for visionaries (laughs) very often. So for visionaries, the kinds of things we work on are working around energy management rather than time management. And then the kinds of visibility strategies specifically that can be amazing for visionaries are, so things like podcast guesting, because you're responding in the moment, it's conversational, it keeps the visionaries interest. And the core need for visionaries is to be validated. And often what that looks like is a need for connection. They, they just want recognition that, that their work matters and that they matter. So podcast guesting can be brilliant for visionaries and things like hot seats. You know, there's kind of quick fire, think in the moment, really showing off your strengths of being able to respond in the moment and think quickly and really kind of showing off that magnetic presence that visionaries have. So so that's kind of one example, but each of the designs has their own core need, communication style and visibility strategy that is likely to be a good fit. You know, we get experimental about it. So it's likely to be a good starting point. Wow. As I'm hearing you talk about that, like I'm I'm just nodding my head the whole way, like the high highs, the low lows, Mm -hmm. like, yep, yep. (laughs) And hot seats and all that. I can definitely feel relating to that as myself. And I I can hear that it would definitely be like the Myers-Briggs type of thing, like coming home and learning about who we are and how to approach things as an entrepreneur would be so really interesting and helpful, I think, to like plan our promotions and our the way that we work. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could have a whole podcast about that, but I know we're here to talk about your launching. <laughs> Keep going forward, although thank you for, you know, giving us a little like dive in, a little peek into what that means. So what role do you think visibility plays in launching? So I think it works two ways. I think firstly, you need to be visible to be able to launch. You know, you need to have a relationship with visibility where your capacity to let yourself be seen is large enough and grounded enough in order that that you're able to share your work because it's vulnerable launching. You, you pour your heart and soul into an offer and then you share it with the world and say, would you like this? <laughs> do, do you want it? Mm-hmm. So that's one way that visibility relates to launching. And the other way, and I think this is true whether or not it's kind of quote unquote a successful launch, is that going through the motions of a launch increases your visibility just through the launch itself. It it's almost like putting your taxi light on, right? And and saying, <laughs> I'm available, I'm I'm here, I, I have things to offer. So I find for myself and my clients that that once we've been through a launch, it has a kind of spiral effect that podcast interview, you know, requests start coming in or people get in touch to say, 
I love what you're about, you know, in terms of what you're offering. Would you like to come and do a guest expert session in, in my membership? So it has that kind of really fun and impactful spiral kind of effect after the launch has wrapped up, whether or not you hit your revenue goals or, you know, your kind of strategic business goals in that sense. I love that you bring that up. It's something I've talked about with like my one-on-one clients that, you know, we're making our launch goals that there's, there's the launch itself, like whatever you're offering then, but then there's sort of the outside goals that could happen. Like what are some of the other goals that could come from your launch? It would be exciting. And I know for myself, sometimes when I'm launching, like it's often, as you said, it ends up coming out in like referrals later on. Like, oh, my friend mm. saw you or was at your hot seat session or, you know, joined your list or saw this and then referred you to me or they sign up for something else and to one or they come and they join next round, but they've come into the audience. Like there are so many ways it pays back to us when we show up and, and we and we do that work. Yeah, absolutely. It's something about showing up with that sustained energy that mm-hmm. magnetizes people to us and absolutely. and... You know, they, they pay attention to us more than usual for that period of time. So we're mm-hmm. kind of top of mind and they become more intimate with our work, I suppose, as well. You know, have a better sense of what it is that we can offer and what our style is and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And I guess during that time too, you know, we're out there actually, as you said, with like our taxi lights on, like saying like, I'm here, this is what I do when we're really talking it up and talking about it. Whereas in other times we may not be talking about it as explicitly and as often. So it lets people know that we're available and that we're interested in working with you and we have something to offer. But that that vulnerability part is it's, it's so real. I know I feel it every single time I launch. I mean, I think so many folks feel it, which is why they can burn out at the end and run out of energy. But I'm, I'm guessing, you know, if they knew a little more about their human first approach, <laughs> they might be able to play into those, like lean into different kinds of energy and mm-hmm. how they could best support themselves. Yeah, it, it can be really helpful. Yeah. So today you're going to share with us how you had a five-figure launch with a tiny audience. But before you do, will you talk to us about the failed launch that preceded it? What were you selling and what was your launch plan? Yeah, absolutely. So by a failed launch, I don't mean that kind of faux failure that really it was a win, but you know, I'm talking about as a failure. I mean, literally nobody bought it. <laughs> it, it was a zero dollar launch. So what I was offering was ongoing visibility coaching, which, you know, I've, I've offered since the beginning of my business, but I haven't launched it in a, you know, in a kind of productized way in, in quite the way that I tried to. So my launch plan, I mean, essentially it followed what we're often told a launch looks like. So I created pre-launch content, I added value, I offered a workshop and at the end of the workshop, you know, invited people, explained what the offer was and invited people to book a connection call if they were interested in finding out more about whether the offer might be a good fit for them. And what made me realise almost instantaneously that this was a kind of quote-unquote failed launch was that the workshop went really well. I, I had signups. I had the number of people coming live that I expected to. The chat was really active. I got some really, really lovely messages after the workshop saying, thank you so much. You helped me with this aspect very specifically. So I knew the issue wasn't with the workshop or with the quality of, you know, the value that I was creating. But even the, those very engaged people, not a single person asked me any more about the offer or booked a connection call. And, you know, sort of 24 hours later, 48 hours later, 
I was thinking, oh, something's not right here. But this hasn't, this kind of radio silence hasn't happened to me before in quite this way. So I got really vulnerable and I DM'd a couple of the people that I knew had come to the workshop and checked out the sales page. The, the reason I was able to do this is because I'd had a connection with them for several months leading up. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest doing this for people that are brand new to your world, but I was just really honest. And I said, Hey, you know, I, I know that you've checked out this offer. Can I ask what missed the mark for you or why it wasn't a good fit for you? And that began this incredibly interesting conversation around essentially my, my messaging didn't clearly enough articulate what the difference was between having visibility coaching and having business coaching. And the, I'm going to say the level of entrepreneur, that, that's not quite the right word, but the, the level of experience of the entrepreneurs that I was speaking to that were interested in visibility coaching are already investing in ongoing business coaching. So they were saying, you know, it sounds amazing, but I just can't justify the additional, additional investment at this time. And that got me really curious. That, that said to me, it's essentially a messaging challenge. I'm, I'm not showing what the core benefit of doing visibility coaching is in relation to business coaching or any other kind of coaching. So I got thinking about, so who are the people that I really hoped this offer would call in? And I wrote a list of like actual names of people in my audience that I would love to work with. And again, I got vulnerable and I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, you're exactly the kind of person that I would love to work with. Could we have a conversation about what it would be that you'd be looking for in visibility coaching? And I was really clear that this wasn't a sales pitch. There would be no sales pitch to follow. That wasn't the point of it. It was very much, you know, just doing market research. So I went away, had these conversations and they essentially taught me what my ideal client is looking for, which is different to what I thought they were looking for. So kind of in a nutshell, that's, that's the failure and that's the point that it led me to in, in my business. Amazing. I know you've been listening for a while to the, the podcast, Natalie. So I just, I love how you talked about that you went and you had direct like these like heart to heart, like one on one conversations with the folks that you wanted to work with. Cause that's something we talk about so often on, on the podcast here is that like, like listening is our best sales strategy. Like we have those conversations when we find out the messaging. It can give us so much insight into our offer and the things that we can be shifting to make it really connect with the folks we want to sell to. And like you went out and you took this, you know, zero dollar launch and you took action. And, and it is, as you mentioned, like vulnerable to ask these questions, right? And to get in the calls with folks and be like, okay, so like what didn't work for you? <laughs> what would make a difference? And you went out and you did that. So how many people did you end up speaking to? Five. Yeah. yeah for for the number. design of the new offer. Five people. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so once you, you know, you had those conversations, how did that change your plans for your next launch? So I ended up designing a completely new offer, which packaged together work that I was already doing with clients, but in a different way. So the new offer is a podcast guesting VIP day. And the reason I landed on that was that consistently what these five very generous humans were telling me 
is that yes, they wanted support with the inner work around vulnerability, uh, around visibility. Sorry, <laughs> look where that straight away goes. They wanted support around the vulnerability that, that visibility brings up, but they also wanted very clear strategic outcomes at the end, which makes a, a lot of sense. So we dug into what those strategic outcomes would be that people were specifically looking for and what was consistent across most of the five people and what also matched with my experience and what I was already doing with my clients. It also matches with my professional experience before becoming a business owner is podcast guesting. So support around messaging and around pitching and around partnerships development and around feeling confident when when you turn up for your interview and how do you communicate and what are the topics that you want to be known for. All of that kind of stuff came up again and again. So I packaged it up into a VIP day. And the reason for doing a VIP day instead of a, an ongoing offer is that people were saying, I want it now, <laughs> essentially. You know, I, I don't want to wait four months to be able to grow my visibility in the way that I know will have this wonderful impact on my business. I want to be set up tomorrow in, in two weeks time. That's the kind of time frame that, that would be ideal. So the VIP day was the best way that I could think of offering that. This episode of the Launch Playbook podcast is brought to you by my free launch maps. They're a complete step-by-step map of all your launch assets. So you know exactly what messaging notes to hit and when to share each piece of copy. Because I know that you have signed up for many freebies over the years, only to be disappointed with the Canva PDF that hardly gave you any info. But I promise you the launch maps aren't that. When I showed these to my OBM, she literally walked off the screen that I was giving away this for free. This is the exact launch map template I use for every single one of my one-on-one clients. And inside, you'll be able to personalize, tweak, and repeat a strategy for your messaging for each and every launch from pre-launch to post. Go and get your free launch map at www.sarahvartanian.com slash launch dash map. So you got your offer dialed in Mm -hmm. and then... Tell us now about the details of your five-figure launch. How did you make it happen? Will you walk us through it? Yeah, I'd love to. So back to the leadership designs. Everybody has a primary and secondary leadership design. Mine, I lead with nurturer and I have the visionary as the secondary. And the nurturer's core need is emotional safety. So for me, following that kind of more traditional launch structure, you know, the the workshop and the value and the emails and, and all of that actually feels quite emotionally risky because it lacks the connection that I'm looking for. What I did with the what turned out to be my my first five-figure launch is that I pre-sold the offer. I again went back to the drawing board and I looked at previous clients and current clients and people that I would, you know, I've had discovery calls with, those kind of people and thought, who do I know that might be interested in this offer? And let me invite them. So the first person that took me up in the offer was actually a current client. And we rolled together her, the hours that she had going over the the next few weeks into half a VIP day. And she loved that so much, she ended up investing in the second half of the VIP day. 
so by the time I had actually, you know, by the time I came to share the offer publicly, I'd already sold, I can't remember if it was two or three, but enough to validate that this was an offer that my right people were excited about and wanted to invest in. And that made me feel really safe, really confident. So then I could enter the kind of public phase of the launch, really just showing up as myself, you know, with, without any of the kind of bravado that the more traditional launching formulas kind of bring out in me because I'm not feeling so confident. So really meeting my core needs and then showing up exactly as myself. Of course, that calls people in because they can tell that you're showing up with integrity and they get a really good sense of what it would like, what it would be like to work with you. I think it's so interesting that you had a launch and I, and I really hope like people are taking note as they're listening to this conversation, Natalie, because you had a launch that didn't have all the, I'm going to, I'm air quoting here, like all the traditional pieces, right? Like you'd already sort of done that before, like the, the workshop and probably the emails and you decided to do something that worked for you. And I love that because launching doesn't have to look, I might write that for my clients, like the pre-webinar like launches and the show-up sequences and the after, you know, after sales cart open sequences, but you also can launch it other different ways. And one of the way you just showed us was by reaching out to people who you think are a good fit. And, and I like how you pre-validated that and shared and like share that how when you saw that it was working, it made you feel safe and ready to like bring it out to the world. So yeah, I, I, I love, I love that. <laughs> I just, I really, I love when we can share different ways of launching that don't look like that traditional way. We've probably seen a lot of the, you know, people we look up to in the marketing space follow that we can do things our way. And it's still a launch. A launch is really putting our thing out there to the world <laughs> and you know, sharing it and, and, and selling it really. So you have a tiny audience. I know you told me. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? Give us some real numbers. I can. And by tiny, I mean, I mean, really tiny. I, so at the time of, of that five figure launch, I had 82 people on my email list and I had an Instagram following of about 700 people. I think it was just under 700. And that's it. That, that's my entire audience slash community. And did the people that you reach out to, were they mostly on Instagram or your email list or sort of a mix? There was a combination. I actually, for the, for that launch, Instagram was more impactful for me than my email list, which I found really interesting. But the people that, that invested in the offer through Instagram, it was because they'd been in my world for quite a few months. So they were the people that, you know, we'd already been DMing. We already knew each other a little bit. So I don't think it was so much about Instagram as a platform. I think it was more about, you know, this offer popped up and they thought, you know, a couple of them said to me, I've been looking for a way to work with you, but none of your other offers were quite the right fit. And this is exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, you know, through Instagram, but really it's about spending time getting to know the people that are already in your audience. We we get told so much about audience building. And I'm not knocking that, you know, of course it needs to happen to support longer term business growth. But even with a tiny, tiny audience, there are people there that are watching you and that like you and that trust you and already want to work with you. They're, they're just looking for the right fit way for them to do so. It's a great reminder around the importance of 
again, connection, which I know we both are big advocates for and, and like mm-hmm. building those relationships. And then they don't have to happen necessarily really quickly. Like it can be sort of like a slow burn, like something that we get to know people over time. And you're so right that oftentimes our audience is just waiting for the right thing to work with us, those people who are connected with us. So you, you know, and you provided that because you had gone out and done all that research. So you knew what it was apparently, which is great. So following your five-figure launch, what lessons did you take away for next time? And anything you'll start, stop, or continue doing? So I think the lessons, do what it takes to show up as myself. (laughs) You know, stop trying to adopt strategies that work for other people and place them into my business. I mean, learn from other people's strategies and, and all of that, but really make them my own and stay experimental. I mean, the the five-figure launch was so much fun because I was really playful with my messaging and I just showed up exactly as myself with an attitude of, let me try this and, and see where it takes me, which it felt great. I mean, that that's what I, that's why I started my business is because I want to be experimental and I want to learn what it takes to connect with my right people so I can do really impactful work. So I think, I think, I think that's it. Stay experimental would be the one kind of lesson that, that I would keep from it. And in terms of starting and stopping, I'm going to stop doing that kind of more traditional pre-launch workshop, follow-up emails, that kind of shape of launch, at least for now. You know, maybe in the future that will be a really good fit. But for me right now, it's not what I need. I'm going to continue pre-selling. I'm going to continue having these one-on-one conversations, which are working so well for me. And audio also works really well for me. You know, I, I love podcasting. It's what I support my clients with. So next year, I'm making a private podcast. It's going to be called Pod Dam, which is all about podcasting. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give that a go as a way of, you know, it'll be kind of lead generation and nurturing and inviting people into my VIP days for next year. And then what what do you wish more people knew about launching? You don't need a massive audience. <laughs> I know that's been the theme of our conversation today, but well, I... let's like drive that one home because yeah. it's so true, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it just gets talked about all the time, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know that there's a very small percentage of people that arrive on your sales page that will ever buy. So it's about driving more people to your sales page. And I think you know, if, if you have a business model that is about high volume, you know, you sell courses or have a low cost membership, then that makes a huge amount of sense for that business model. But if you're somebody like me that sells coaching, you know, one, one to one coaching or small group coaching. So I need relatively few clients in a year to have a really profitable business. It becomes much more about one on one connection and nurturing and listening and learning and responding to what the people in your audience want from you and then filling that in a way that's in integrity with you and and that plays to your strengths. You called out something that I think is really important. I want to just draw everyone's attention to it, that you said how you you don't need a lot of people to have a really profitable business. And I think Oftentimes, as you mentioned it too, like that we're being told like to grow the audience because like maybe only one or two percent convert, right? So we have this like, we need to get like thousands of people. However, we also need to think, as you mentioned, like, what are your goals? Like, can you have a great sustainable business, you know, with a smaller audience? You don't, you don't necessarily need that tens of thousands of people on your list. Are your goals to have 
maybe it's a five figure, like, you know, five figures a month. Maybe that'd be a great goal for you. Or maybe it's six figures a year. Maybe it's not, you know, seven figures a year. Although, you know, or maybe you want to at least get to the hundred, you know, to the six figure mark and then think, okay, what's next from there? So thinking about our goals in terms of like, what do we actually need and want in our life and what kind of business are we looking to have? Because a seven figure business and a six figure business are obviously different in terms of team, you know, so many, <laughs> the structures, the systems, all the things. And maybe we don't all want that. So I, I really appreciate that you said, I can have a great business without having that huge list. You know, I can make something really profitable without having that huge list. And I think that's important for folks to be thinking about their goals and like, what is it that they want? What feels like a sustainable revenue number for them and for the life that they want? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. It's really validating to hear you say that because it's not a conversation that we hear very much in, in the kind of online space, is it? So I think it's really important to share an alternative way of, you know, of growing your business and launching in a way that maybe doesn't look quite so mainstream, but can be really impactful if it's the right fit for your business model and, and your business goals. Absolutely. So if you could give just one piece of advice to our listeners about launching, what would it be? I'd love them to find out what their leadership design is. I know I'm biased, but I, or something, something else that speaks to them. You know, maybe it's their strengths finder or, you know, there's lots and lots of different, you know, human design. Any, there's any number mm-hmm. isn't there of ways of understanding who you are and how you relate to the world. But I think that they're such a powerful way of supporting yourself to show up in ways that feel really good and really nourishing instead of always trying to push through. I think it can genuinely change how you grow your visibility and, you know, kind of in turn, how you grow your business. Definitely. I know I'm, I'm very interested in learning more about leadership design. I'm going to be peeking around your website some more. I know that I already looked at it before our episode, but I want to chat with you more about that offline. It's so interesting. I think the more we learn about ourselves as entrepreneurs and how we can show up and have the energy that, that feels right for us, because like, didn't we, most of us start our business so that we could have something that we loved, <laughs> you know, like we can have a life that we love and that we can enjoy doing our work, doing the work that we do. And so how do we find out more about ourselves to make that happen? And the other thing is like, I think business is, is such a, it's such a study in personal development, isn't it? Like they're so inter, they're so intertwined. Absolutely. You cannot do one without the other, can you? As much as you try. <laughs> yeah. Not knowing that when you got into it, but once you're in it, you're like, oh, actually, these are these are together. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. How can we work and connect with you? How can we find out about this amazing offer that you were launching and other ways to work with you? Oh, thanks, Sarah. So if you want to find out your leadership design, there's a free assessment on my website. It's on the homepage. The website is www.uncommon-people.com. And if you want to find out about the VIP day, again, the website is the best place to go for that. And I'm also on Instagram. It's just my name with an underscore after it. So come say hi, DM me if, if there's any takeaways from the episode. I'd love to know. Perfect. We will drop all those links in the show notes. Once again, thanks for joining us today, Natalie. It was a great conversation. I appreciate how vulnerable and open you were in sharing about your steps to your five-figure launch. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Thanks for tuning into the Launch Playbook podcast. If you want to get weekly launch secrets in your ears, I hope you'll hit subscribe on iTunes. You'll never miss an episode because who knows, 
It could reveal just the thing you've been looking for to make your next launch a success. And be sure to leave a five-star review in iTunes telling me how this episode inspired your launch plans. Until next time, keep putting your big ideas out into the world. I'm rooting for you.